Hello guys and welcome to the Midrange Podcast. I'm your host Matt and I'm here with my good friends Nico. Hello, welcome everybody. And Shedden. Hi, what's up? We're here to discuss basketball and basketball only. So guys, why did we start this podcast? I mean, we all feel like NBA, no? Diving about NBA. So why let's not start the podcast? I love what I love listening to podcasts, and why not do it with my friends and about a topic that we love to do. As for me, I realized that basketball was something that I have a lot of passion for, especially the NBA. I've been following the league religiously for a few years now, and I had a lot of hot takes and opinions that I wanted to share with the world. So that's why I called my two friends here, and we started this thing to share our opinions and discuss the league that we all fall in love so much. Let's not waste any more time talking and jump right into it. So of course, with 30 days left until the NBA season starts, most of the things of, that would happen in the offseason already happened, so we can bravely already discuss all the trades and the team's offseason and all their moves that happened already. So let's start off with the Bradley Beal trade. What are your thoughts? I mean... The Suns have got like an all-star player, which is Bradley Bill. I mean, he's a good player, but I mean, he's not solving any of their problems. I mean, we've seen these big three teams, and I mean, as a Brooklyn fan, these teams do not work. Do not work. I mean, they always fail on defense. I mean, they need so much defense. And I mean, the bench. What the fuck? What's that bench? I mean, NBA 2K curated players. Come on. I mean, for the Suns, I could I could grade this straight like with a B. Okay. What about the Wizards? Then, uh, I mean, they got Chris Paul, but traded him. So, I mean, the only good player they had, they traded to the Warriors. That we will talk later about it. But I mean. They got so many draft picks that I'm giving a, a D. Okay. A D. What about you, Shedden? Me, for the Suns, I give a B minus. Okay. Because I think this is their style. They just like to sign superstars to win now. But I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it's going to work. I think they'll do good in the regular season, but when the playoffs come, they will fall off a bit yeah. they will lose in the second they will start losing the second round i guarantee you <laughs> it will just not work all these superstars together and the wizards oh, the wizards um d or probably if it exists an e okay okay they signed a declining chris paul i mean that was the trade no, away, which was traded to the warriors and they got Jordan Poole, which would talk about in advance they just got too much stuff for the future draft picks and that stuff so i don't know not good i think the wizards got finessed here like i swear they traded their two best players bradley beal and chris tasperzingis and got zero first round picks for it only pick swaps that's crazy i think i mean they didn't really have much of a say because of the no trade clause bradley beal had but still zero first round picks for your two star players 
that is something their their board needs to really work on because they're getting finessed not gonna lie to you so for the wizards i'd give this trade a d not not an f only because chris paul again they flipped him for a high upside player and it could have been an f depending on what the chris paul trade would have been but they got jordan Poole. they got their future guy didn't get no draft picks though which is pretty bad no first round picks as for the suns um, Bradley Beal is kind of the same of what Devin Booker does. And even though I think he's a fantastic player, fantastic scorer, again, as one so said, lack of defense, and two, both of them need the ball. We, I can't say anything certainly before I see them play together, but it doesn't really look good on paper. Um, Bradley Beal, one of the, for the last few seasons, had one of the highest use, using percentage. But again, that was on the Wizards when they had nobody else to rely on offensively. And Devin Booker, obviously, we saw in the last playoffs, he needs the ball, he thrives with the ball in his hands. If Bradley Beal takes the ball away from his hands, he's not going to do that much. So, it's not a fantastic fit there. I'd give them a, I'd give them a B plus for the benefit of the doubt. Now, let's move on to the Chris Paul trade. To the Warriors for Jordan Poole, guys. What do you think about that? I mean, it's a good trade because, um, I mean, like the Warriors get some basketball IQ there, some good rotations there. I mean, I, I really think Chris Paul, like, like distribute the game and all the things. I mean, he's a good player. I give the Warriors a... Uh, plans with this trade because I mean Chris Paul is 38 and I mean he's declining he's 38 mm. and I think well the Wizards I mean they got Jordan Poole their future guy but I mean what to say I mean S tier I mean I'm getting a a, a D okay Shin, your thoughts for the Wizards, well, I think they've fleeced them. You really think I so? Do, Chris Paul, he he doesn't play much. He's old. You already got Steph. Uh, for the Warriors, I think I think it's a C minus. He he does bring Chris Paul brings those moments where he's okay, he's good passes, but he, for me he's just too old. I just don't like it when people sign old players. Plus, you have a player that's younger and who is much better than Chris Paul. Wow, hot take. Pool better than Chris Paul right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ooh. Wow. And okay. for the Wizards, I think they did very good. They they get a B plus. B plus. Okay. They, they needed that. They yeah. needed that kind of player since Bradley Beal and Porzingis left. Yeah. Uh, yeah left with Kyle Kuzma. God. Um. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that. Man. Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole. Good. B plus. Okay. I mean, Kyle Kuzma needs to be in jail just for the outfits he wears before games. Not gonna lie to you. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. should be in jail. But okay, now on to the trade. I. 
at first when I saw this trade as a Warriors fan, I got super sad. I thought we're not waiting. The dynasty is over. But after thinking about it, I love this move for the Warriors. And I'll explain why now. So the main problem with the Warriors last year, according to Steph and Draymond, was lack of different ways of scoring offensively. It was all Steph-based, Steph off-ball and Steph on-ball. It was only Steph. You had Clay in the quarter. Wiggins wasn't the same as in 2022. Um, Draymond and Kevon Looney aren't really known to be good offensive players. It was all Steph. Now with Chris Paul, you get an extra layer of offense to come off the bench. And in the non-Steph minutes, uh, the, the league is getting fleeced now. Because before, the non-Steph minutes were basically just trying to survive. It was full-on defensive mode, trying not to concede points because offensively you had nothing to do. When Poole wasn't getting his shots off, like it happened in the 2023 playoffs, like it was over. But now with Chris Paul, he knows how to run an offense. He's been running elite offenses ever since he joined, especially for the Clippers. Uh, ever since he joined the NBA, he was an elite point guard. He knows how to get the ball, where to get the ball, and at what time to get the ball. His vision is unmatched. And I think fit-wise, it's going to work beautifully. What I don't like about this trade for the Warriors is how much they gave up. A first-round pick, and then apart from Jordan Poole, you need to give away Patrick Baldwin Jr. and Ryan Rollins. Does not look like much. But I was really high on Patrick Baldwin Jr. I mean, I still am. I think he's going to become a fantastic player. I mean, coming out of high school, he was a top 10 recruit in his in his class. Fell off during university, during college, sorry, because of injury problems. But I'm still really high on the guy. So I love the trade for the Warriors. I'd give them a A-. But I still love what the Wizards did there because they got a big big um, improvement in the youth department by getting two really promising young players. One of them, Jordan Poole. We all know what he can do. I'd give them a B plus for this trade. Now let's move on to the Kristaps Porzingis Marcus Smart trade. Three-team trade here. What do you think? I mean, honestly, I mean... I mean, the, the Celtics win this one, but I mean, by very, by very little. But I think the Celtics win this one because um, Crystal Porzingis is a, is a good addition to the team they have. They already have, I mean, the centers they had last year, I mean, Al Horford, I mean, good, good center, but I mean, Crystal Porzingis, I mean, has shooting. As different, I mean, and uh, and for I uh, so I would grade this trade for the Celtics with a B B with a B. Okay. And I mean, for the Grizzlies, I think it's a good, it's also a good addition to get Marcus Smart to the roster because I think they, with Marcus Smart, they're a good defensive point guard. I mean, yeah, the defensive player of the year was Bam Adebayo, but I mean. He's a good defensive point guard, but I mean, he also knows how to run offenses and all the things. So he's a good addition. So I'm giving to them an, a B plus, B plus. Okay. And 
and for the Wizards, I mean, I mean, Wizards, what a team! And then their front office seems like yeah, front office crazy, crazy, crazy. I mean, they got Danilo Gallinari, Mike Muscala, Tyus Jones, and Julian Phillips. I mean, Julian Phillips no more in the team. Chicago, they traded him. So I mean, Danilo Gallinari. I mean, not a bad player, but I mean. Last season, yeah, last season he averaged. I mean, very poor numbers. I mean, not normal, not normal. I mean, I think I'm giving to them a a C minus. Okay, fine. Interesting. I don't really agree with you on the Celtics and the Wizards, but let's see what Chen has to say. Um, I think the Celtics did very good with Porzingis. I think he's he is like a type of player that could get them that chip. Cause in the you could see when they played Miami, they needed they needed someone. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were doing very good. And Marcus Smart behind them was very good. They just needed that that someone because Al Horford. I don't think he's him. Aging. I think I think I think Porzingis will do very good. So I'll give it B B plus. And Grizzlies getting Marcus Smart. I think that's excellent. Do you think he can fit into the Dylan Brooks role, getting off ball instead of on ball like he much, did with the Celtics? Much better than Dylan Brooks. <laughs> I mean, Dylan Brooks came off a defensive player of the year at the FIBA World Cup, so he played really well. Dropped, I think, thirty nine against the US, the USA. So yeah, yeah, but that was that USA team there. Yeah. It was. <laughs> We'll discuss it later. You'll, the you'll, you'll, yeah, you'll see. And Wizards? Wizards? Hmm. Yeah, but I don't have that much optimism for them. <laughs> no, that, not that much. Honestly, I just round a C. C, okay. C minus. So I think the question for the Celtics is in this, in this instance is not... Have they gotten a good return for what they gave? It's about can the player that they got bring them over the hump and actually get them the championship? And even though on paper it looks like they won this trade by a lot because they get the best player in the trade and they get a first round pick, which is crazy. But um, props to Brad Stevens, by the way. Amazing, amazing general manager. But... I'm not sure if this is going to bring them over the hump. I'm not sure if this brings them up a level. It's They get better on paper. I'm not sure if on the court that's going to be enough, though. We have to remember that Marcus Smart was the heart and soul of this team. He was the captain of this team for years. He has been there for since Brown and Tatum got drafted. He's been through the entire process there. Now he gets traded away. I'm not sure if they can replace him. Because 
he was a really important part, despite not being that good. He was a really important part of that organization off the court more than on the court. But on the flip side, yeah, Porzingis, stretch five, amazing defensively. So I'd give the Celtics an A. This, they, got, they fleeced the Grizzlies. Got a first-round pick, too. As for the Grizzlies, I'd give them a B because they needed they needed smart. They needed a Brooks replacement. They needed a defensive specialist. And Marcus Smart, he is exactly that. He won Defensive Player of the Year a year ago. So, you know. As for the Wizards, I like Tyus Jones a lot as a player. I think he's underrated. But he doesn't change anything. Like, he's a good role player, but nothing to... Nothing to switch the course of the team, nothing to get wins, you know? He's not going to be as impactful. Gallinari, obviously, very injury-prone, getting old. Same for Muscala. I think this trade was kind of useless a bit, to be honest. So, I'd give them a C-. Next up is the John Collins trade. Now, this one is interesting because the Jazz got John Collins and the Hawks got Rudy Gay, who they waived a few days after the trade. And the second round pick. So essentially, they traded away John Collins for nothing. Why would they do that, though? Monsoor, what do you think? I mean, they just wanted to get rid of John Collins. I mean, if you do that, uh, I don't know what are you doing. I mean, front office, what fuck are you thinking of? I mean, John Collins, it's not that bad player. I mean, his numbers, stats, I mean, have been decreasing has been decreasing lately, but, well, they just traded him for Rudy Gay, with, who got waived two days later. I mean, that just makes nonsense. Nonsense. I mean, for the Jazz, I would give them a C+, plus, and for the, for the Hawks, an F. I mean, nonsense. Okay. The question is here, though, for the Jazz. Does John Collins fit in with Lowry Markkanen and Walker Kessler and Kelly Olenek? All of them are kind of slow frontcourt players and none of them can really play the three comfortably. But John Collins isn't one either. So they're getting another essentially big man instead of a wing. And I don't see him getting many minutes, even though like Kelly Olenek and Lowry Markkanen can space the floor really well for him. I don't see him fitting into the system, so so I think it's going to be a lose-lose trade for both teams. So obviously we know that John Collins was not happy with the Hawks. We know that his numbers have been decreasing. He Four years ago, this man averaged 21 points and 10 rebounds per game. How crazy is that? Last year, 13 points and 6 rebounds, whilst getting the same amount of minutes. The man just forgot how to play basketball. I don't know how to explain it. This is not some Ben Simmons type of decline, but still. But I do think they could have gotten something more than a second round pick and a guy that they waived right after that. But I do think it's a step in the positive for the Hawks in a way that now they get to play four out and not worry about the floor spacing. Because John Collins definitely wasn't helping that. Now with Sadiq Bey... And Jalen Johnson at the floor, they can comfortably space the floor around Capella, who's going to be the only non-spacer on that team. Okongo is also looking really good, and he may get some minutes at the floor this year. I mean, the trade itself, 
not good for the Hawks. But the idea, I see where they're going with this. So I'll give the the Hawks a C and the Jazz a C plus because basically they get a talented player for nothing. Even though if he doesn't fit, they can trade him or another front court player away for some somebody that would fit. What do you think, Sheridan? Um, I think Atlanta they they'll need a little bit of time. I th- I don't think next season they'll do good. I think next season they they do they'll they'll make the play in and just lose in the first round or something. Either get obliterated in the first round or just not make the playoff. Yeah, the Celtics are looking really strong this year. Mm-hmm. Now. Yeah, I need some time to gel. Okay. Last but not least. Last but not least. The Spurs, obviously. Headlined by Victor Wembanyama. The new superstar who's supposed to be the best NBA prospect since LeBron James. A phrase that we hear almost every year nowadays. But that is what it is. He is looking special. But the Spurs have been doing something apart from him that I think nobody has noticed. Which is basically... They've traded for three veteran players that, and they've traded picks and for players that they wouldn't really need. You know, they're in theory, they're still trying to tank. They, they definitely won't win this year. They'll not get close to that. So why would they trade for Campaign, Chidi Osman, and Bullock? All three aging players... And all three don't really fit the Spurs mold. I mean, Cherry, Osman, Bullock are just three and D guys in the corner who don't really have no skill with the ball. They can't dribble, they can't pass. And then campaign, a classic point guard, which is something they've lacked last season. With this one, I do see why, because when Banyama needs to get used to playing with a classic point guard, with a guy who can give him the ball and who can direct an offense. So my theory is they're trying to make a tanking team that looks as close to as a, a, to a contending team as possible so that Victor Romanema can adapt to winning style from day one, even on a bad team. Do you think it will work? I mean... They are trying, they are trying, but I think, bro, that's a tank team, because, I mean, Cameron Payne, classic point guard, but nothing special, nothing special. To all the, all the other players, also, nothing special. So I think, mm, will be good for Wemby, because he's getting some old players there to, like, experience some, some, some good things. Looking forward to playing the league, to be a superstar, but I think it could just not work. I mean, the roster, it's there. There's a Wizards roster, then a Spurs roster. I mean, there's no Bottom difference the between those two rosters. No, it will just not work. They're not. They're missing the playoffs. Let's get one thing straight. Victor Rambanyama is 
not even gonna touch the career that LeBron's left-handed. <laughs> okay, I mean, you do. Hard you. I think he'll Explain be, why he'll though. Injured, I think he'll be injured most of the season. Okay, it's I good that he has that. all players around him to help him, you know, with the experience, the atmosphere, everything. Um, I I think he'll have to wait about you know two years to make a playoffs. But they'll definitely not make the playoffs this season, so he uh, he'll just have to try and win uh, most young player, best young player of the year. Hmm. Let's see. I mean, I think the challenge for Wembanyama is not to win games; it's to stay on the court. Uh, we've seen from history everybody who's his frame or close to his frame gets injured quite a bit, and. His entire career will depend on can he stay healthy or not. He already has a quite a big injury list, which really concerns me. Which is why I personally don't believe he will become such a great thing as people say. I think he's getting overhyped. But we can't deny the talent he has. And it's incredible how we get players like these every one or two years that just look impossible to stop on both ends. So now we'll move on to discussing the each team's individual off-seasons. We're going to discuss everything from signings to people who lost to the draft night. And we're starting off with the reigning champions, the Denver Nuggets. Guys, what do you think? Anything interesting from their off-season, from their summer? Um, me, I think they did okay in recruitments. But the people that they just, people who left, they they lost almost their bench, like their bench. Their entire um, playoff bench. Yeah. Like, now I don't think they have anyone that's decent enough to play in a playoff match in the bench. I, like, you know, Reggie Jackson's good. Justin Holiday's okay. DeAndre Jordan... Serious? Yeah. I don't. Fast I don't understand prime. that one. I don't understand that one. Completely agree with you. Um. Completely agree. But the other two, Reggie Jackson and Justin Holiday, I think, I think they they could be okay. Like, they're not gonna help them do anything, but they'll be fine. You're not running a seven man rotation though. Hmm. You're not gonna run a seven man rotation in the playoffs though. <laughs> You're going to yeah. need more than seven players to win the championship. Mm-hmm. So my, and those other players are not good enough. Yeah, completely agree. So my, I think this is my hottest take for next season, that the Nuggets are not a contender anymore. Like, you look at their bench, and this is some Rockets type of thing. Like, I, there's nobody. They lost two of their absolutely key players from last season in Bruce Brown. And Jeff Green. The, in the, the non-Nikola Jokic minutes, when Nikola Jokic is on the bench, they're going to get smoked. DeAndre Jordan. He, every time I see him, I swear he can't get a rebound for his life. Peyton Pritchard, six foot one guard, out-rebounded him. In two possessions in a row, got an offensive rebound over DeAndre Jordan. Six foot one guard. He can't protect the rim at all. He's not the athlete he once used to be. 
And then when we're talking about the wings and the guards, they will solely rely on second-year Peyton Watson to improve drastically. That's their only hope. Like, no scoring in there. The the moment Nikola Jokic or Jamal Murray are not on the court, they're getting smoked. The thing is, after losing Jeff Green, at least they could have resigned another backup big that they had, which Thomas Bryant was pretty solid. He didn't play for them in the playoffs, but he definitely could play for them this year. But no, they let him go. And now they have no backup bigs. And as for on the wings and guard spots, it's all going to be Reggie Jackson, Chris Brown, and Peyton Watson, who they're going to need to make a second-year jump, which we don't know if it will happen. So I don't think this is a team that can come out of the West this year. I mean, it was not a bad off-season, but I mean... They lost key players that they helped them build and go to that championship they won. I mean, they lost Bruce Brown, which was a key player for them. Did an amazing playoffs, did good finals. Uh, and I think the bench, it's not a good bench. When when Nikola Jokic is not on the court, they are getting bullied. Bullied. I mean, DeAndre Jordan, when he played for the Nets, he was terrible. Terrible. Even worse. And he... And he's even worse now. Even worse. I mean, he cannot get a single rebound. I mean, that's cool. Not good. Then. So, Jamal Murray. What are we grading this offseason? I mean, obviously, they did get much worse, but there's not much they could have done by keeping their players. They didn't have money. But they could have signed somebody new that was better. They could have signed a big instead of Justin Holiday, who I'm not even sure is going to play for them. So, guys, what are we grading this? Honestly, I would go C. Nah. C, okay. Nah. Nico? C minus. C minus. C minus. Okay. I'm going with D. Mm, they got much worse. They're not a contender this yeah. year. Now, let's move on to the second team, the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, a lot of people have been praising them during this offseason. Let's see what a Los Angeles Lakers fan thinks of what they did this offseason. Shedden, what to you? Um, I think they did good. I think well, they need. they got much younger. They added a very good um, a bench player, Gabe Vincent. They they have renewed deals of a lot of people. Anthony Davis, Ruli Hachimura, Jaren, Jaren Vanderbilt extension. And Christian Christian Wood, I think he'll do he'll do okay as a backup to Anthony Davis if he plays in the center role. Yeah. And if he doesn't, then Christian Wood would be okay as a starting seat, starting center. I think the Lakers will improve. I think the Lakers have improved. I think they'll be they'll finish fifth in the West. Fifth, okay. So dodging the point this year. They so, got better. 
Okay. I think that Rob Polinka did everything. Like, this is the best he could have done. I do have two issues with this roster, though. Number one, the Anthony Davis contract. This is a bullet in your own foot right now for the Lakers. The moment LeBron retires or leaves the team to play wherever Bronny is, you're going to want to rebuild, ideally. You're going to want to trade away your stars, your better players for the young ass, young players and draft picks, right? But the Anthony Davis contract, his value dropped massively because he's going to be earning, despite being already at the end of his career, he's what now? He's 32, I think? Oh, yeah. 30, 30, okay, 30. Not bad, he's 30. But still, he he's still going to be earning a lot when he's not going to be in his physical prime. Plus plus the injuries, we can't forget that. We can't get that, that out of the equation. That's going to make him age even quicker. He's going to be so difficult to trade away once LeBron leaves this team because nobody wants an aging, injury-prone star who you have to pay uh, money as if he was the best player in the world when he's clearly not it's going to be very difficult to trade for him and then the second issue is D'Angelo Russell I'm sorry but every single year we can't give him the benefit of the doubt anymore every single playoffs he's not he's just not there he disappears in the most important moments that's why I think Gabe Vincent will start for them by the time playoffs come around um, and if they need to rely on D'Angelo Russell as much as they did last year, this team is not winning. But if Gabe Vincent and Austin Reeves can carry his load and his minutes maybe get diminished to like 16 a game, because his defense is trash, let's be honest, he can't defend for his team. Even Austin Reeves is better defensively than D'Angelo Russell. Then if Gabe Vincent and Austin Reeves can pick up the slack, then yeah, this team is really good. Well, well. So the Lakers of season, it was not that bad. But so um, talking about the Anthony Davis contract extension, I mean, too much money for a player who's aging so quick. And out of eighty-two games that season half, he played forty, forty as maximum. And well, so that's too way too much money for Anthony Davis. Way too much money. He's not in his physical prime anymore. He's he is not Daphne Davis that we used to see before. Then, well, uh, D'Angelo Russell. I mean, he disappears in good moments. I mean, the playoffs he did. I mean, not acceptable. I mean, the series, that series against Denver, he averaged ten points per game. I mean, mm, he's your sports. He's your starting point guard. Just expect a little bit higher. So that's why I think Gabe Vincent is a good incorporation to this Lakers team because I think they, they can't rely on him. He has experience. He has reached an NBA Finals with Miami. So I think that's that's a good that's a good signing for the for the Lakers. Then Christian Wood. When Anthony Davis is not there, I mean I think he's a good backup for Anthony Davis. Because I mean he can shoot and he can defend. So it's not Anthony Davis, but I mean, a, he has good things. He has good things. Okay. Uh, I have a few questions for you on the Lakers. So, 
Gabe Vincent or Dennis Schroeder? Because we say, we all agree that the, Gabe Vincent is a fantastic player, but is he better than what they are losing? No, I mean, Dennis Schroeder, he's a world champion. He won with the world champion with Germany, doing a very good World Cup. But, I mean, Dennis Roder or Gabe Vincent, yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Um. I don't really know. I don't know how Gabe Vincent will do. Uh, depending. So what I've seen of Dennis Schroeder for the Lakers, I think they're losing more what they're bringing in. I think Dennis Schroeder's a better player than Gabe Vincent. But okay. only time will tell to see if Gabe Vincent is up for the is up for the Lakers job. Okay. Next, Chris Wood is, we all know what he can do, but there's a reason why he got benched and almost out of the rotation with the Mavericks last year, and there's a reason why he, the, he was barely even starting for a really bad Rockets team two years ago. Is he better than what they're losing in Mo Bamba, in Tristan Thompson? Yeah. For, for my opinion, he's it's worth it. So yeah, I think he will he will do good performances, but don't expect too high on him. You know, he's thirty one. Uh, he's an old player already. He um, he's thirty. He's thirty plus. Uh, I, I have to agree with you there. I think Chris Chris Wood is better than. Both Mobamba and Tristan Thompson. I didn't really see Mobamba Lakers. He was just out for most of the season. He played like what, ten games, nine yeah, games. Maximum, take maximum ten games. Um, like he nine games. He didn't, huh? Yeah. He played nine games. Yeah, he nine. didn't. He, he barely did anything. So I'll take his foot over that. Okay, and last last thing. Um. Does this like is this Lakers team a contender or are they one move away from becoming a contender? One move away. Yeah, they're one move away. So you don't think they have any chance right now of beating with the roster no. that they have? Right yeah. now? Well, uh, no. I don't. I don't know because like there's there's teams like the Celtics, you know. Yeah, because if that's the case, that it, this team is not a contender with the roster they have right now. Yeah. Then no. I'm sorry, but we can't grade this any, which is most what most most people online have are saying that oh my god, Rockling is a genius, what an amazing off season. I mean, you're celebrating Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish hasn't played in the last two seasons at all. You're celebrating yeah. Jackson <laughs> Hayes. Jackson Hayes saying he couldn't get minutes on the Pelicans. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. this is not this is an overhyped offseason. I'm not saying it's bad, but it is overhyped. So what are we grading this? I'd go for a B. I go for B plus. Okay. Yeah, B plus. Okay. Next up, oh my god, the Rockets. The Houston Rockets. Uh, Let's start off with the Fred Van Vliet contract. That that um I think they did Okay, but I think they 
pulled a good one because last year they needed experience in that team. That team was too young to to do anything that they wanted. They needed they need a little more experience. Um, first round lead brings that, and with a you know with championship experience, he's a very good player. He's a very good player. He brings uh, experience and a lot of a lot of other stuff. So and also Dylan Brooks brings experience. Even though he's a, you know, even though he's not a good player, you need that sort of not a old good player, player to Dylan help Brooks the young not a good player. Wow. Yeah, I know. No, absolutely not. Um, But you need that kind of player. Okay. For a young team like the Rockets. In my opinion, I could make, I could definitely see why somebody would call this one of the worst off seasons of all time. Let me let me explain a bit on why this is absolutely tragic for this organization. First of all, you overpay everybody and get them on long-term deal, deals. You got Jock Landale for four years. This guy probably would be out of the league in two or three years by the way his career is going. You got Fred Van Vliet on a massive overpay three-year contract. I mean, he's getting paid as if he's an all-NBA player. He isn't even a top 10 in his position. Let's be honest. He's not a top 10 point guard. Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks. I mean, the main goal for the Houston Rockets this offseason was not to get better, in my opinion. It was to get in players that could fix the atrocity of a system they had. I love the coach signing of Ime Udoka. I think he's definitely going to bring some stability into that team um but Dylan Brooks is this the best example you want to have because they were so young last year there was nobody to lead them nobody who they could look up to and be like them, nobody to teach them this year they focused on getting just that Jeff Green just fresh off winning a championship Boban Marjanovic veteran in the league Fred Van Vliet won a championship Dylan Brooks another veteran in this league Jock Landale, another veteran. But Dylan Brooks, is he really a player you want your young core of guys of Jalen Green, Alper and Shinbud looking up to? Is this who you want your young players to look look up to and become like them? I don't think so. I mean, as you said, Dylan Brooks, it's not a good example for young players. I mean, what he said about LeBron last year, come on, you need to respect LeBron. All he has done for basketball, all he has done for the league. And anyway, I don't like the way of legging he has. And I just hate, I just hate Dylan Brooks. I just yeah. hate him. Everybody yeah. hates Dylan Brooks. It's mainstream now. Yeah. Yeah. Then Fred Van Biel, that guy is overpaid as fuck. Overpaid. I agree. They are paying him like if it was, I, you know, like, I don't know, like, Debbie Booker, a good player. He has been a good player. But now, first of all, he's old. Second, he's not even top 50 shooting guards of all time. So, uh, I don't find the sense of making that move. Then, 
Bobo Mojanovic and Jeff Green. I mean, one year contracts, veteran players, but they also give nothing to the team. So, I mean, just a bad of season. Bad of season. Yep. I would definitely... It's not even a net. They should have a known uh, their own tier for the Rockets, to be honest. And uh, before you two guys go in the rock season, just a stat. Dylan Brooks and Fred Van Vliet, who the Rockets both just signed, were both the most inefficient players in the entire league last year. They signed the two most inefficient players in the entire league in one offseason. Gave them massive contracts. I mean, you gave Dylan Brooks $100 million. His next highest offer, reportedly, was about... 25 million. Do you know how much money they could have saved wow. by just giving him like a 40 million offer instead of a 100 million offer? He would accept because nobody else was giving him more than that. It's just crazy how much they fumbled this. Wow. Wow. So, what are you guys grading their offseason? D minus? Uh, yeah, D. Okay, not as bad as me, but still. Okay, now last team we'll be discussing today are the Kings. Now, I'm really high on the Kings, and they haven't really done much. And moves that were like, no, nothing eye-catching. But I do think they just got even better from last year, and I think last season was not a fluke. They're actually for real. And an underrated signing that nobody, nobody looked at it in a way but we as Europeans know obviously Sasha Vizenkov you're reigning Euroleague yeah. MVP the best player yeah. that was not in the NBA now in the NBA plays for the Sacramento Kings by the time the playoffs come around we'll start for sure not even Kings fans understand how good that man is I mean he fits their offense perfectly he is great off ball I swear, I saw him play live a few times. He is like a six foot nine with Steph Curry's off-ball movement, and wouldn't say amazing, but definitely above-average shot-making ability. His only flaw is that he is pretty slow to play the three. And not as strong to play the four defensively. But on the offensive end, his shooting is amazing. Both mid-range and three-point shot. He has a post game. He can post up players if needed. Heck, he even scored, I think, what it was, 36 points on four dribbles in the entire game this season. On four dribbles. This man's off-ball movement is insane. He also gets a lot of assists for being a power forward. I mean, I love this move. Um, I think the Sacramento Kings did did good this season, in the off season. Um, I really haven't. I don't really watch outside the NBA, so I don't know how good Sasha Vasenkov is. Um, we'll just. I'll just have to wait and see. How good he how good he will do in the Sacramento Kings. Um, uh, I think they did very good. I don't really know about Javale McGee. 
but the the other three, Chris Chris Stewart, I think is pretty good. He looks okay for the Kings, and I uh, I don't really think they will achieve what they have done last last season. I don't think they'll surprise everyone like that. They'll probably go like they'll probably be wandering around sixth to fifth, like like the Lakers. Okay. Do you think? Question for all three. Do you think that they get better from last year, or did they get worse from last year? I think they got better, but they won't achieve what they did last year. Okay, so you think everybody else around them got better, too? Yeah. I mean, they also, let's not forget that JaVale McGee still an amazing rim protector. And then you have, yeah. obviously, good defense coming off the bench in form of Davion Mitchell, Chris Duarte, Kessler Edwards, all players who you can really rely on in the playoffs. And then you also got some offensive specialists like Malik Monk and Trey Wallace. I think this is a very well-balanced team. What do you think, Monso? I think it's a tough team. Eh? If you if you have to face them on the playoffs, mm. I wouldn't like to face this team on the playoffs. That's for sure. Game 7, we will go home. I do not want to face this team. Then, Shashab Besenkov. He's, he's a good player. I mean, he's MVP of the League. He has good move. He's a good player. So that's a good incorporation for the king. Absolutely, absolutely agree. That Jabal Magi. I don't know how Jabal Magi thing will work there. He's definitely a good backup for Sabonis when he's not there. But we'll have to see how it works. Then Chris Duarte, good player. But I mean, we need to see how it works because. I do not really like him that much. Okay. But I think they did a good off season, but they I not see them as, as strong as last year. Because everyone around them like got a bit better. I think Lakers improved, Clippers improved, you know, Suns improved. Okay. I'll take you from me. The Kings have the best bench in the NBA right now. And I truly believe so. Their depth is amazing. Yeah. But the only question with them and can they win a championship for me is is De'Aaron no. Fox and Demanta Sabonis or is this duo good enough to lead the team to a championship? Right now, I think the answer to that question is no. And that's the only thing that's holding them back. A true number one, a true leader on the court that can drag them out of difficult situations. We saw that last year. Game 7 versus the Warriors. They just... If they had a superstar on that team, they're winning that series. But they didn't have the superstar. It was the Warriors with Steph Curry. That's why there was. So what are we grading their offseason? B. Okay, I'd agree with that. A solid B. Solid B. I agree. Um... Oh... B, B, plus, B plus. B, B plus. Okay, cool. Next up, we got Team USA. Obviously, this summer was an absolute failure. Fourth place at the FIBA World Cup. Didn't even get a medal. Many people are left disappointed. But 
in a year in Paris, the Olympics, and LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Steph Curry have basically already confirmed they're flying over to France to compete for the gold medal. So, if we could choose which 12 players would go, who would we pick? Starting off with you, Shedden. Who is on your 12-man roster for Team uh, USA next summer? So, at the one, I have Steph. At the two, I picked Devin Booker. Because, you know, all-around player. All-around very good player. At the three, I know he's a bit old. LeBron. But he's still, you know, one of the best players on the planet. At the four, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. And at... At the five, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, I really hope he's healthy the whole tournament because U.S. is going to need him. I agree. I have the same exact starting five. I think they just fit each other perfectly. Devin Booker already publicly said that if he needs to go and sit in the corner to wait for his catch and shoot three and then just defend his man in defense and play a small role, he's going to do that. And as for Steph, LeBron, KD, three veterans, this is going to be their last run. They're obviously going to start. It's not even a question, all three of them. Legends of the game. One last dance with their national team. They're going to be very motivated to win and then to round out the starting five. Anthony Davis, defensive anchor. Gives them a good post presence. Size, versatility on the defensive end. If they bring out this starting five, I think it's almost a guarantee they get gold. But that's only half the equation. So we'll talk about bench next. But for now, Nico, what is your starting five? Absolutely agree with you guys. I have the same starting five. I mean, that's the best thing they could do. That's the best starting five they could have. Yep. Bench-wise, Shedden, what are your seven players coming off the bench? As a sixth man... I have Kyrie Irving. I think he's excellent to bring off the bench. His, you know, talent, his his handles, just... I don't think any team in that Olympics have seen what Kyrie can do. And then, you know, my other bunch of players, I got Bam Adebayo, Anthony Edwards... Tyrese Halliburton, Jaron Jackson Jr., Brandon Ingram, and James Harden. Wow. That's completely different from what I have. Now, I like your team. I like where you're going, but I do have one problem with your team. Is that your guards, defensively, all of them are going to be exploited. You know how FIBA teams play, especially when they play up against Team USA or Team Canada. They just target the smallest, weakest guys all the time. And you have Steph, who isn't even that bad, but still is not fantastic. You have James Harden and Kyrie Irving, all three of them. I'm not sure that's going to work. but I got, I got Ant too. Yeah, he's good. He's definitely good. And Tyrese. Yeah, for me, my bench is gonna be like this. So, as the guards, I have Damian Lillard, Drew Holiday, and Anthony Edwards. So let me explain. Oh my God, I forgot about Dame. (laughs) 
Damian Lillard is microwave scoring on anybody. Sixth man, he's gonna cook the opposition team's benches. Like, just hitting threes, passing to the open man, destroying with the dribble. He can do anything and create for everybody. I am amazed by how you did not include him. Like, genuinely. Next, Drew Holiday. Um, this is basically solving the problem I saw with your squad. Defensive guard who's going to walk up almost anybody, apart from Jimmy Butler, obviously. Who, spoiler, I did not have because I didn't think he would want to go there. But if I would, like, I'm sure he will not go there. But I would love to see him playing in the Olympics. But he's not on the roster for my 12-man squad. Drew Holiday brings hustle and energy. And Team USA needs that. Team USA needs some toughness. I think the main reason why they lost in the FIBA World Cup is because there was nobody to just shout at the team when they were doing bad and, like, get back to your senses. Like, we gotta win. Like, this is not like the NBA when you have 82 games. This is win or go home. And I think Drew Holiday can add a bit of that to the team and then round it up with Anthony Edwards. Do I need to say something apart from how he performed during this World Cup? The star player on the team, he showed what he can do on both ends. Easy call for me. As for my backup wings, I got Jason Tatum, Mikael Bridges, and Draymond. Dude, oh my god. <laughs> you forgot Tatum too, didn't you? So Tatum. How can you forget about Jason Tatum? Tatum. Um, two-way impact. Wing. He could def I see him starting for this team if it's needed. But he will take on a bench role, more of a silent role on offense, instead just working his ass off on defense. He's versatile, he can play the three and the four, so he'll be useful. Mikhail Bridges, Steve Kerr loves him. Uh, from the all the interviews we saw from the World Cup, really praising Mikhail Bridges, and I kind of like him too. He used to be a role player in Phoenix, so he's not going to need to adapt his game to having a smaller role. He is a fantastic three-point shooter and a fantastic defender. That's kind of all you need in a role player. 3 and D, right? And then Draymond Green. Same thing as Drew Holiday. Locking people up and just adding toughness and energy. He's still a top five, in my opinion, top three defender in the NBA right now. And there's already enough offense on this team. Like, it's a team full of superstars. His defense will be needed, though. And then to round off as my backup big, Bam Adebayo, again, kind of same as Anthony Davis. Versatile on defense, a really good defensive anchor, really good defending the pick and roll, and attacking up the pick and roll too. Well, for my sixth man off the bench, I have... Jason Tatum, I mean, special man, he showed us what he can do, he's an amazing player. Then, I have also Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown, I have Kyrie, because I mean, Kyrie, I mean, those handles, not few, few players in the world can do that, and absolutely no one can defend those handles. If he's healthy, if he wants to go, I mean, 
the guys that's to defend. Then we have uh, Jaren Jackson Jr. I mean, no explanation needed. I mean, good, amazing rim protector. I mean, just what they, just what they needed for this World Cup. But then we have Bama De Bayo, also a good paint and rim protector, just in case Jaren Jackson Jr. gets injured or just in case he does not want to go or AD does not want to go. We have Bam just in case. Then Mikal Bridges, that guy, that guy was key for this World Cup. Without Mikal Bridges, Team USA, I told you, does not make the quarterfinals. That guy, that guy is special. Then we have James Harden. I mean, his career is declining of the problems he had with front office of the 76ers, but the guy is an one the guy is an MVP. This guy has an MVP. Some respect to this guy. He's also an elite scorer. And he can he does have many ways to get those those points in the basket then. Rue Holiday to bring in some defensive hassle to this team. Because in this World Cup, we saw that Team USA needed that defensive point guard because Jalen Brunson had maybe some weakness in his defense just to have a good defensive point guard. I like this team. Um, pretty small. It went with a smaller lineup, but it does work for me. And I'm sure it will work for Steve Kerr, who, as we know, loves playing small lineups. And now that we got that out of the way, let's move on to our weekly podcast draft. So today, continuing on the Team USA team, we're going to be drafting starting lineups with only American players. We're going to go in the order of Nico, then Chedden, then me, Snake Draft, with the number one pick, Nico, who are you taking? For my... Small forward position and taking LeBron James. Um, I'm taking Steph Curry. I wanted him to fall to me, but it is what it is. Um, um, I think I'm gonna go ahead and build around Jason Tatum. And I have another pick because it's a snake draft. I picked two times in a row. Then Shedden, then Nico's going to pick two times in a row. I'm taking Anthony Davis. Amazing defensive anchor. He's the best big man by far left in here. So I think I'm doing pretty good so far. Shedden, down to you. Then I'm going to take Bam. Oof. I don't want any big man's falling to so. Nico, two picks in a row for you. I'm taking Jaren Jackson Jr. I mean, that is what it is. I need to protect my rim, Jaren Jackson Jr. And for my shooting guard, and give me, give me Devin Booker for my shooting guard. Give me Devin Booker. Okay, I see where this is going. I'm going to get, you know, a little defense in my backcourt and Drew Holiday. Drew? <sighs> like this pick? I mean, I have two elite defenders so far in my team. We need to get some scoring here. Give me Damian Lillard. And to pair up right next to him in the backcourt, Anthony Edwards. I think these two would work perfectly together. 
Um, so I have Steph at my one, Drew at my two, and Ben at my five. I'm going to take Kevin Durant at my four. Holy shit, I forgot about Nico, your last two picks to round out your team. My last two picks, I mean, at my one, give me Kyrie at my one. And, you know, maybe, I think many, many, many people would, would, you would criticize my pick, and many people will also do bad. You know, give me Paula Bancaro on my four. Bancaro, wow. Okay. Interesting. Shin, your last pick. Um, I need a three, and I'm stuck in between two. I'm stuck in between three, actually. Either. Um, I don't know. Because, are we wondering if it's if they're healthy? Is it fine if they're not healthy? Yeah, it is. Oh, Kawhi. Yeah, that's who I was about to pick. That's an amazing pick. And there's not really many good big men left, so I'm going to slide Jason Tatum to the four. And I'm going to take Paul George at my three. So, who won the draft? Team one for Nico is Kyrie Irving, Devin Booker, LeBron James, Paolo Manquero, and Jaron Jackson Jr., Team 2, Shedden, Steph Curry, Drew Holiday, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, and Bama DeBio. And Team 3, my team, Damian Lillard, Anthony Edwards, Paul George, Jason Tatum, Anthony Davis. I'm pretty confident in my team, and I think if these three teams would play against each other, my team would win. Dude, you're not getting past my defense. <laughs> yo, 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 yo. Yeah, you got yeah, a lot of so size in there in rebounding. Bro, LeBron James and Kyrie Irving have won an NBA ring together. So, no respect. Yeah, but at the, at the other side, Shannon's team has a lot more size and rebounding than mine and Nico's team. But mm-hmm. outside from Steph, and I mean Steph and KD though, yeah, it's still really good offensively now that I think about it. Drew, Kawhi, and Bam is nothing compared to, like, if you stick good defenders onto them, like, they're not doing anything. Like, let's be real, like, Lillard, Anthony Edwards, Paul George, Jason Tatum, and Anthony Davis is a much better offensive team. I mean, your offense gets my defense. Nico, also, Nico, your spacing. What happened there? Kyrie, Devin Booker, LeBron, Bancaro, and Jaron Jackson Jr., there's gonna LeBron's gonna have no space to operate. Kyrie's gonna have no space to drive inside. I I mean, it may be a bit crazy, but I think that team is winning. I I think this team's winning. Bro, mm-hmm. think for a moment. What I said before, Kyrie Irving and LeBron James have played together and know how to play together, know well each other. Then, Jaren Jackson Jr., bro, defensive player of the year, not easy to get past two rings. Then, Paolo Banquero, maybe, you know, but was my last pick, so I had no more options left, few options left. Okay, then. Um... I guess 
everybody can decide for themselves who won this draft and we move on to which teams should Team USA fear in the 2024 Paris Olympics. Now I'll start out with a team that didn't have all of their players this year and still beat Team USA and that's Lithuania. Lithuania were missing a ton of important players for them this year like and it's not it wasn't only Sabonis like they weren't as bad as what happened to Serbia when they had three quarters of the entire team missing and they still got to the finals by the way but uh, Lithuania was still very weakened by just guys not wanting to come like Marius Grigonis, Lukas Lekavicius and I think at full force they can definitely do something in the Olympics next year. I think they're a dark horse to win the Olympics. Who's your pick for teams that Team USA should be afraid of? Um, honestly, I don't really know. I think this USA team might actually beat anyone. Yeah, might oh, they could, but we don't know if they will. Yeah, I don't know either, because, like, I don't, I, uh, I, I said before the pod, like, before in the podcast, I don't really watch outside of Europe, and outside of the U.S., and I don't really know people outside of the U.S., you know, that stuff, but I do know that Steph, LeBron, and KD are a very good trio. Okay, so your take is they should worry for nobody. Yeah, and so what they do you should. Think? For Chelem, I I see your point of view, but I also understand your I also understand what you say. I mean, Steph, KD, Bron, that's a good trio. Offensively, no one can stop that. Absolutely no one. No one. But I mean, there's some teams to fear. Yeah, there's some teams to fear. I think, well, first of all, if they if the star player goes, if Janis goes, Greece would be a team to fear. If Janis goes, not only Janis like, though, they were missing Janis Nick Kalates and Kostas Lukas exactly. and Tyler Dorsey, all the guards. Nick Kalates, yeah. Greece has a, if all of the good players from Greece do go, USA should be a little scared about about Greece. Janis, Nikolades, Costas, yeah, good team. Then, Serbia. They yes. reached the finals without Jokic. Imagine Jokic with that team. Bojan Bogdanovic, Jokic. Good team, eh? Yeah. Let me tell you a list then, of all players that missed this World Cup from Serbia this year, which was crazy. Firstly, I'm Nikola Jokic, obviously the best person. Vasilya Micic. New OKC Thunder signee, former EuroLeague Finals MVP and Finals winner. He was the third best player. Then you have Alexei Pokushevsky, another NBA player. Nikola Kalinic, defensive specialist from Barcelona. Vladimir yes. Lucic, who is a really good scorer. Ongin Yaramas, a sharpshooter that could come off the bench oh. and really help them. They no, had no, Smilacic, stretch five, that used to play for the Warriors. Like, the amount of players they could have had, but they didn't. 
is crazy. If they're at full force, they might and compete. Even though they reach the final. Yeah, I still don't. I still don't understand how they do it without without all those players. They still get to the finals. I mean, Team USA should be embarrassed they didn't win by because most of the top teams were missing their best players, aside from Germany. Germany were only missing Maxi Kleber, who would be the starting power forward, but they know how to play without him. So that's the only exception. So Team USA should be embarrassed of themselves. As I agree with you. Then, number three, Spain. You should fear Spain. Let me tell you why you should fear Spain. Spain, I know, Spain failed, absolutely failed in this World Cup, losing to Latvia. They absolutely failed this World Cup. But, I mean, they have amazing coach, Sergio Scariolo. I love, I love how he plays, how how he makes the team play, the dynamics. I love this team. Then, you should fear Spain because, I mean, we have won, we have, we have more World Cup than USA, by the way. Crazy fact. You have something to say, Sharon? You have something to say, Sharon? No. I have a, uh, another statement from Greg Popovich, who is considered to be the best coach of all, the best NBA coach of all time. He openly admitted that he copies his, how his teams play, how his Spurs team play, from Sergio Scariolo, who is the Spanish national team coach. In my uh, opinion, I mean, Sergio Scariolo is the best basketball coach of all time. But that's just me. Yes. If they get back Ricky oh, no, Rubio no, no, for no, next year... Obradovich, Obradovich, Obradovich. Uh, prefer Scariolo, though. If they get Ricky Rubio back for next year, yeah. they're a, for, they're a big force. Yes, you can see your spade there. Verdict. Is Team yeah. USA winning the Olympics or not? Hmm? Is Team USA winning the Olympics or not? Probably. Hey. No. Let me try Team Spain. I trust my guys. I don't know what will happen, but they should. Okay, they absolutely should. If that team is going, they absolutely should. If they don't, Failed generation of players, but <laughs> I think Spain winning. Let me trust my guys. And that is it, guys, for the first episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us on this story. We're definitely gonna bring you episodes, hopefully weekly from now on. We really hope you enjoyed it and you enjoy what we do in the future. And definitely tune in next week for top 15 rankings by position and analysis of the Yanis Antetokounmpo.